I just want to take everybody by the hand and just be like, it's okay, you'll get there too. Everyone's training journey looks different. So if you're starting with a younger dog, it's going to be easier. If you have a higher energy dog, it's probably going to be harder. If your dog has been practicing problem behaviors for several years, it's going to take time. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Honesty Dog Podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer. And Jeff, Liz Foley's favorite husband. (laughs) My only husband. (laughs) (laughs) Liz, here's the thing. I am so frustrated when I go walking with you with the dogs sometimes Mm. because you have such a great walk with the dogs, especially Blue, and mine isn't as good. Yeah, that's... That's called comparison. And that's what we're talking about today. The one about comparison. Yeah, because this is something that comes up often for dog owners. All I mean, the time. We can't help but compare ourselves all the time with everything. So it's natural that we do it with our dogs. And you are, drum roll, self-sabotaging yeah. by comparison. Comparisoning? By comparing yourself. <laughs> you sound like me. Who know how to speak English. <laughs> So we're going to break it down a little bit, share some of our own experiences with comparison and try to give you some helpful strategies to avoid falling down that comparative rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So Liz, when you're working with clients, what are some of the most common areas where they will get themselves into trouble by making unfair comparisons around their dog? Like you mean with what they're doing with their dog? Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, their dog relative to other dogs, past dogs, right. stuff they see online. Yeah, I would say a lot of the time it comes up with the walk. The walk and place training. People will be like, why doesn't my walk look like your walk? Or look like someone I saw on Facebook or social media somewhere. Or my old dog walked for me perfectly. Why doesn't this dog? Like somehow, some way we are going to compare ourselves to either previous dog, someone we don't even know on Instagram. A lot of the time... Clients compare themselves to myself or other trainers, and there's a difference. There's a difference between all of those things, so it's unfair to compare. So let's start unpacking a few of those, because you you touched on a really, a number of important threads there that I think one or more of us can relate to, probably in multiple ways. You talked about comparing to past pets. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? Maybe share an example of a client you've worked with who has kind of gotten stuck in that comparison of current dog to past dog. I see this a lot with people who get puppies after an older dog has passed away. And puppyhood is really like, it lasts kind of two years. Um, And so those first two years, like you're expecting the same calmness, the same social skills, the same everything as your previous dog. And a lot of the time in death, we tend to glorify how that dog was. Mm. Right? We do that with everything. We look at it through rose-colored glasses. We don't want to criticize shortcomings of our past pet. We just want to celebrate the good stuff. Yeah. And maybe even exaggerate the good stuff a little bit yeah, too sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And then we get this puppy who's rambunctious, out of control, needs so much hand-holding and training to get to that same point. But we forget that even that beautiful dream dog that we had previously started as a puppy. We just, again, we glorify, we forget all the the hard stuff. We just remember mm-hmm. the good. And so it's unfair to this new dog. I see this, especially when people get a second dog or get their next dog really short 
after the previous dog passed. Mm -hmm. So there's not really a grieving process. We don't really let that other dog go and celebrate this new dog. It really becomes comparison. Well, I think oftentimes, and, and I hope this doesn't sound too harsh, but people who find themselves in that situation are looking to fill a void. Mm -hmm. They're looking to fill a Carmen size void or mm -hmm. a Benji size void or whatever it is. And, and guess what? Like no two dogs are exactly alike. Mm -hmm. Even if you try to get another dog of the same breed, cause I had a lab and I want another yeah. lab. Yeah. Guess what? Still same animal species, maybe same breed, but different personality, exactly. different upbringing, different litter. All of those things. So many things can affect it. I feel like I was just talking to a client not all that long ago too who even got their dog from the same breeder. Mm -hmm. And so the expectation is the genetics will be the genetics will be the same, everything will be the same. And it's like, no, it, it that doesn't ensure any of that. Absolutely not. So Well, I think we truthfully have found ourselves comparing some of our dogs yeah. to past dogs. Like when we got Ty absolutely we were like carmen was easy to train carmen came perfect carmen was low energy carmen had no reactivity carmen didn't have any insecurity issues mm -hmm. and we held ty to probably an unfairly high bar for yeah. a very long time mm -hmm. he, another tripod another street dog another mutt and we're like we've done it before we can do it again and he came with a laundry list of issues and I thought even knowing that and being like, okay, this is what we're dealing with. That's fine. We can get through this. I don't think I expected the length of time that it took. Mm -hmm. And so I got kind of frustrated. I felt really defeated. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I must be a horrible dog trainer. Now looking back, I'm like, thank you, Ty, because you have taught me so much. I am a better dog trainer now because Carmen, you don't learn much from a perfect dog. Carmen was the training wheels. Yeah. I wish everyone could have a Carmen, not going to lie. Right, right. Um, but everyone should also kind of have a tie or a blue mm. so that you can learn and grow as well. Yeah. Baker and Carmen, amazing dogs, great companions, but pretty easy. <laughs> well, let's talk about Baker for a sec because even though we had this realization with Ty that mm -hmm. you know, Ty is not Carmen one might think, oh, well, you won't fall victim to comparison again. <laughs> Psych. But it happens, right? And so yeah. we had this amazing chihuahua who, you know, he's pretty balanced little guy. You mm -hmm. know, he's he's Chill. not your typical chihuahua. And we're like, oh, yeah, we got a chihuahua. We can do it again. We got blue. And I don't think we realized exactly what we were signing up for. Yeah. And I mean, again, you can't compare because we got Baker when he was four months, sorry, not four years old, four months old. And then we got blue when he was already a year. That's significant time gap um, because blue's like socialization period has been closed. Yes. So we're doing rehabilitation. We're not doing training. Ooh, yeah. Right. And if yeah. you don't know what that means, go back to that episode. We did one about rehabilitation versus just straight up training. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, we're like small dog, small dog. We can do this. And I realized quite quickly, he's a very different dog. He's more sensitive, he's higher energy, and he's got different love languages. So let's talk about another source of comparison that you brought up. Your progress with your dog versus another person's progress mm -hmm. with their dog. Now, this could be a neighbor, a family member, a friend. 
even other people in your training class if in your, you're in a group in your training class, class i was going to bring that up because we happens. see it with the 10 day relationship reboot mm-hmm. where they're all provided with the same materials the same schedule the mm-hmm. same demo videos the same support community so they have all of the same resources and levers at their disposal and yet some make a lot of progress very quickly others it takes them a lot longer to move forward mm-hmm. and that can be very discouraging i'm sure i know and it it's hard because i just want to take everybody by the hand and just be like it's okay you'll get there too everyone's training journey looks different and it's because we have different age dogs so if you're starting with a younger dog it's going to be easier if you have a higher energy dog it's probably going to be harder if your dog has been practicing problem behaviors for several years it's going to take time so not everybody's the same at the same level. They're not starting at the same level, so you're not going to finish at the same level. And the other thing too is people have different life circumstances. Some people work from home and can have all these interactions with training their dogs throughout the day. Some people have babies and families that, you know, take time away from their dog. Mm -hmm. There's so many things to consider. Yeah, I'm glad you went there because I'm remembering one student in particular a couple of reboots ago who was voicing some frustration around the boundaries or thresholds step. Mm. And I think what we uncovered was, well, they live in a condominium or an apartment complex. So if they're going outside, they don't have just one threshold to manage like we do. They've got six or eight. Mm -hmm. It's the threshold at the door, the threshold at the elevator, the threshold coming off the elevator, the inner door, the outer door. And so that's going to take a lot more time. And there are more areas that are exposed as vulnerabilities or potential failure points, but they're also more learning opportunities too. And think about how challenging that is with the amount of distractions that could be happening in your condo building versus in your home to just let your dog out in your backyard. That should be pretty low. Um, But if you're getting off an elevator and people are getting on and their dogs, like it's going to throw you because ideally you're going to do your best imprinting with your dog in calm, quiet, low distraction areas and then build up in difficulty. Mm -hmm. We have people taking these courses in like downtown major areas where there's a lot of traffic. So I feel for them. There is a struggle there, but really it's remembering that practice makes progress. You want to make sure you're doing your best to stay consistent and uphold the same expectations and that's going to take time. So... I mean, I would, if I could, I would recommend most people, if they adopt a rescue dog or if they get a puppy, like take two weeks off work, take vacation, dedicate that time to training that dog right away. Like mm-hmm. don't wait would be my recommendation and just fully dive into it. So you've got a solid foundation that you've established. Golf analogy warning coming here. Okay. Okay. The other thing I'm thinking about too is keeping in mind your starting point. Mm-hmm. People who are dealing with a lot of issues, and actually this is a question for you. I have a, I have a theory, a hypothesis, and, and I'll bring in the golf analogy in a second. People dealing with a lot of issues can probably make some demonstrable progress quickly. Yeah. But as you progress in your training, the progress either slows or the changes become smaller and more nuanced. The golf analogy is you know, getting from shooting 80 to shooting, or sorry, getting from shooting 90 down to shooting 80 
you work on your swing, you hit fewer shots into the trees, right? But if you want to go from shooting 80 to shooting 75, it's a mental game. Mm -hmm. It's course management and strategy. It's all of these other things. So I guess my point is, do you find with dog training, Liz, people can make leaps and bounds quickly right in the beginning, just like on, you know, maybe days one and two of the reboot, they're like, oh my gosh, my dog is so more, so much more checked in and engaged. But then from there, it starts to get a little more difficult and the progress isn't as rapid. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> like to answer your question, when I see someone's form come in for training and they have like everything checked where it's like the dog has separation anxiety, jumps up on people, doesn't settle easily, not house trained, like pulls on leash, reactivity, like so many things. I go, oh, wow, we're actually probably going to do a lot of a lot of deep work up front and see quick improvement mm -hmm. because clearly they're doing everything wrong. Right, right. So when I'm just like, okay, do this instead, it's like I always compare things to fitness because it just makes the most sense. When someone's starting from like being significantly overweight and they are practice, not practicing proper nutrition and exercise, all of a sudden they start doing those things, they're going to drop weight pretty quick. Right. Right? But you have to push harder if you're already fit and mm -hmm. you want to get fitter. Yeah, exact same parallel that, that, that I was getting at and bringing it back to comparison for a second, I guess the takeaway here is you need to be mindful that not everyone is starting from the same place. Mm -hmm. And if you're not seeing the same kind of progress as somebody else in your training class, you know, they come in, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, they're raving about it. Well, maybe they were starting from a, a much more complicated, challenging spot like you're describing. And so they've seen some of those quick wins and maybe you're a little further ahead. And so it's going to take a little more focus, more effort to continue progressing. Yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. I think too, like we've seen in the reboot, some people have one dog, some people have three. Oh yeah. So that's a lot more energy to deal with. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be super focused. You're going to have to work each dog individually and then also together. So your progress is probably going to be a bit slower and that's okay. Some people are doing it all, al all alone. Yeah. Some people have the support of their family, their partner, their community, mm -hmm. a network. They have resources to use a dog walker, daycare. I guess yeah. the point here is everybody's circumstances are different. Mm -hmm. And so it's not fair to compare just the outputs when you don't know the inputs. Yeah. And so the only person you can compare yourself to is yourself. Mm. And so I think it's really important to document where you're at when you start. And then like with the reboot, there's 10 days that you're dedicated to working. If you do group class with me, it's five weeks. Like, benchmark it at that point, the start and the finish, and then see for yourself with your eyes, like video it. Yeah. What did your walks look like before? Now, what do they look like? Yeah. That way you can actually see the difference and I you think will be less hard on yourself. That's so important. And we've talked about that too, reminding each other about how far we've come or showing a video or a photo as a mental cue. Because I think sometimes when you are frustrated and you feel like you've plateaued, you discount all of the great work that you've done and all mm -hmm. the progress that you've seen. Mm -hmm. It's probably the same thing with doing personal development work. Yep. It's like, oh, you know, if if 
five years ago, Jeff could see where I am today, they would be really proud yeah. of the progress that I've made. But when we're looking super short term, just at maybe the last couple of days or maybe the last week or a couple of weeks, might not feel like a big change in the grand scheme of things, mm -hmm. but it is. Exactly. Small changes yield big results, but over time. Let's talk about another source of comparison Social media, mm, ugh, it, I, know. I, I, I had to pit my stomach as I, as I was saying it because I'm really growing to- Dislike social dislike media. Dislike social Same. media. Same. <laughs> the only thing I really like about social media right now is hearing from Honest to Dog listeners. Yeah. Truthfully, honestly, because you all out there are so positive, so encouraging, so uplifting, sharing your stories, mm -hmm. but everything else is just noise. A lot of the time I'll open Twitter. Yes, I still use Twitter. <laughs> And I'll start scrolling. And as soon as I see one of these posts about how I grew my business uh, to blah, 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 uh, a short thread, that's my cue to close the app. Because immediately I get this like slimy, swarmy feeling, number one. But number two, I immediately feel inferior mm -hmm. because I'm making that comparison. And I, I mean, who knows if this person's legit or not, but... That Like I'll scroll through, I'll see some cute stuff. I'll see some, as soon as I see one of those posts, you know, grow your business tenfold in six months in these 13 easy, I'm like, no, I'm done. Yeah. So how does this play out in the, in the dog world, Liz? Is it something that, that you see often or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are so many trainers and non-trainers <laughs> giving a lot of advice on social media and showing the before and afters but not showing the process and it looks good right but it's edited it's curated it's the highlight it's not gonna be a full exposure of what all was done to get it's, to that point you don't even know timeline you don't know the relationship you don't know the tools necessarily used so it's a really hard you're taking something picture perfect and ex and comparing it to your reality and it's not the same. And so, I mean, I, I am guilty of this. I follow a lot of dog trainers and I'll see them doing things and I'm like, why can't I do that? Why am I not offering that? And I start to feel less than. Mm -hmm. And it's really damaging to our self-esteem, our mindset, um, everything. And so we... When you're down on yourself, you're not your best version of yourself. You mm -hmm. need to be your best version of yourself to lead your dog. Um, and so it's just a really dangerous echo chamber to be in because two, social media pays attention to what you like and what you engage with. So then it starts sending you more. So you get trapped in that. You start seeing more and more people with beautiful walks or all this socialization, whatever. And you can't compare yourself, especially not to a professional. Right. Professionals do this for a living. It's the same thing. Like, I'm not going to compare myself to a personal trainer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and their success. They literally eat, sleep, breathe fitness. I have worked with a lot of dogs of different personalities, pack positions, energy levels, breeds, all of that. I've worked with a lot of clients too. So I'm going to have different experiences that are going to, help me get results perhaps faster mm -hmm. than another dog owner. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's kind of like 
you don't know how the casserole was made. And what I mean by that is, <laughs> if any of you used to watch late night infomercials, I don't even know if they still have them. Do they? I don't know. But, you know, they put the casserole into the oven and it's like, oh, and I've got one that's just about ready right here. And they pull it out. It's not the same casserole. Yeah. Right? You don't know how that new one was made. And for any of you folks who haven't gotten a little look behind the curtain on marketing, a lot of the stuff that you see on TV, at least food-wise, in commercials, it's not even food. It's yeah. just like created to look like food. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a bit of a stretch analogy. I apologize. But with dog training, you don't know how the casserole was made. You don't know what's happened off camera mm -hmm. in order to achieve that result. And I'm not saying it's necessarily nefarious. It could have just been like hours and hours and hours. It could have been some kind of an imprint that you may or may not be comfortable with doing on your own or not have the skills to do on your own. So you can't trust these before and after things mm -hmm. because they they just give you a glimpse and i mean i understand it it's to sell their service of course they're not going to reveal all the secrets but like understand that 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 is propaganda right i've done it i've done it before and after because they are dramatic but i'm going to include in the description below how many weeks this took how hard that client worked and how dedicated they were the before and after is clickbaity yeah um but there's a lot of work that goes into things like that yeah yeah i want to talk about one more source of comparison and it kind of links back to the second one around the progress that other people you know might be making with your training and that's comparing your relationship to your dog to the relationship your dog has with other people in your family mm. because i'll admit i've been a little frustrated the last couple of weeks you have really turned a huge corner with blue on the walk mm -hmm. your walks are so much better if you listen to the one about frustration where we talk about the ups and downs and challenges with blue in particular some of this the setbacks you felt you had mm -hmm. you have come miles and miles since since that time your walks are awesome thank you and i'm friggin jealous <laughs> because i am struggling with him and i'm like ah oh, how is it that liz can have him perfectly loose leash follow position and he's always pushing me and we talked about this just this morning on our way back from our walk and what is it that you said to me i think i said something like I do this for a living. I've had 10 years experience with this. I've worked with like 35 dogs a day. So I, I understand leash pressure to another level that you don't yet. I've worked with different personality types. I've worked with dogs like Blue. So I might get there a little faster. Yeah, you've got more wins under your belt, more repetitions mm -hmm. and also more fails that you can learn yeah. from, right? <laughs> exactly. And so it's really not fair to me to compare. And I think the other thing we need to be mindful of if we're comparing to a partner or another member of the, the family is getting real about how many reps are you putting in? Yeah, how much involvement do you have? How much in involvement this do you have? And when you're doing it, are you going through the motions? Or are you really dedicating yourself? Like, I think what I realized this morning is yeah, I've been walking the dogs a bunch. Mm -hmm. I need to be working with Blue mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah, a bunch more aside from the other two dogs. Yes. And so I can't really be frustrated with that comparison when in my heart of hearts, 
I know that I haven't done all of the things. Yep. Right? I'm just getting real with myself, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, do. I think I'm doing a good job, but you have the strategic advantage of being all of our favorite dog trainer and amazing. <laughs> and I'm still working on it. I'm still learning. I'm still practicing. And so I think the takeaway for all of you out there is if you're like, oh, why is it that my wife has this amazing relationship with our dog? There's trust, there's love, there's respect. And I dread the walk. It's like, well, are you really putting in the work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do walk the boys more than you do typically in the week um, just because I have a schedule that's flexible. I do have more reps. I've worked with Blue also independently, like I've taken him to my social clubs. I get really dialed in with him so that he can focus and I can be relevant. I think though how I made that big jump and changed the relationship was largely because of that frustration episode where I kind of was able to just air it out and leave it, put it down, stop carrying that around. Mm -hmm. And that, and I decided to stop holding the leash in my hand. I started attaching him to my fanny pack and just using more body to control and give guidance and set the expectation of boundaries. So I wasn't putting as much leash pressure on him. Like so many things, I, I get creative. I'm gonna, I'm okay with exploring different options. Mm-hmm. I did positive reinforcement, like so many different things. And it just kind of clicked one day. I let go of all that frustration, was totally present, stopped with the comparison. And it was like, Oh, there, there's that beautiful boy who's a follower. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe just to wrap this up with some takeaways, if you find yourself getting stuck in comparison, what are some things you can do to get over that comparison hump? Like I said, make a video of where you're at when you're starting and continue to kind of track that progress. I would also unfollow or mute anyone who makes you feel less than on social media, whether it's training or anything. Um, That's the practice that I've been getting into being like, no, that made me feel crappy about myself. I'm going to unfollow or mute that person. Um, Staying off social media for good chunks of time even just to take a clear break. Mm -hmm. Um, Writing down your goals. I wanted to go there. You're like reading my mind. Yeah. And I was going to build on that and say, write down your goals, but then break them down into smaller action steps mm-hmm. because goals in, the, in and of themselves are good. I want a loose leash walk with my dog. That's a goal. What are you doing to get what there? What are you doing to get there? And how can you track your activity towards that goal as well as the progress. So I'll, I'll give an example. Maybe if it's the goal is to achieve a loose leash walk, you break it down into getting a good threshold mm-hmm. and then getting loose leash on the driveway. And then, so like you're, you're ba- breaking down the baby steps mm-hmm. and then maybe you set some targets around that. So we're going to do five really good thresholds before we move outside and now you've got something that you can actually track and you know maybe on day one it takes you 15 minutes to get five good thresholds and on day two it only takes you 
13 minutes. Well, that's progress. Yeah. That's good. Exactly. Right? That's largely like my role in doing private training or group classes with people. It's like, I'll point out the small wins that they'll totally look over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you got so many times that your dog looked at you doing follow the leader. Did you see that? And they're like, no, I missed that. I was just so annoyed that I kept having to change direction because he was in front of me. And I'm like, well, yeah, we'll get that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But can we not celebrate this huge win? You're becoming more relevant. Mm-hmm. So even beyond that, I was just thinking another good, it will take work, but it's worth it track what you're doing with your dog each day and then give yourself like a grade or like i would rate this an eight out of ten walk well what did i do that day to make it that because the next three days were like a four out of ten well those days that were great walks were i practiced place the dog slept in the crate overnight i really focused on thresholds i did warming up before the walk for at least 10 minutes like Mm -hmm. It's a way that you can then start to see the patterns as to why it's working. And then what you can do is compare those activities against each other and have a more fair or rational comparison as opposed to a purely emotional, subjective one. Mm -hmm. You can go, okay, well, to your point, Liz, on these days, I had more success because I did more of the right things. And then you zoom out a little bit and you go, okay, well, this week I did even more of the right things than last week. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the right track. And then you zoom out and you go, okay, well, this month I tracked my goals 25 days out of the month, whereas last month I wasn't tracking at all. Those are like healthy comparisons. Yeah. Because now you feel good about the progress that you're making and you've got real evidence-based indicators of your activity and the outcomes it's producing. Mm-hmm. I like it, Liz. I think that's helpful advice. Yeah, I think so too. So if you're out there comparing yourself to somebody else, another dog, another trainer, a neighbor. Cut it out. Yeah, be (laughs) fair to yourself. (laughs) Be fair to yourself. It's not doing yourself any favors and it's holding you back. And if there's somebody who is on social media that you really admire and you want what they have, work with them. If they're a trainer, reach out, find the secret sauce that's gotten them where they're at. You don't have to go it alone. And I think a lot of people follow numerous trainers online and they're all going to have a little bit different what they're offering. So if you're kind of putting it all together, you might get confused. You might not know what you're doing. Stick to one, follow through, do the work, track it, focus on your goals, have a system. You'll get there. You've got this. You've got this. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, stay calm and confident. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. 